0: We're going to start <coughs> uh, building on, if you like, or, or nuancing a little bit this practice uh, that we've introduced in the last few days of staying at contact. Uh, <coughs> if we talk about insight, insight uh, comes in many different ways it's possible to have insights through reflection or contemplation, in other words through thought it's possible to have an intuitive flash of insight it's possible that insight comes from uh, a moment of of silent clear looking very simple without thought all of that and and, and many other ways too Um, What? Insight, generally speaking, what insights have in common is that they unlock freedom. I mean, that's that's part of what you could define insight as, is uh, some kind of seeing or understanding that unlocks freedom. So there are many ways this can happen, many forms that can take. One division I just want to make right now is kind of two types of insight. One is a kind of the aha moment, uh, many of you know. Um, So for example, you're sitting and you're uh, paying attention, and just being generally mindful, and you notice something, or something gets clear, the insight just sort of pops up, or or is revealed or presented, uh, simply in in the calmness, in the receptivity of, of seeing, of clear seeing, of mindfulness. And then perhaps there's another type, if, if we just make a distinction, uh, slightly artificial, we'll make it anyway, <laughs> which is more what I would call sustaining a way of looking, a way of relating, or sustaining a view that leads to freedom. And I'll explain what I mean. Sustaining a w- deliberately sustaining ways of looking, Ways of relating, or, or a view, we could say, that that brings freedom, that brings a sense of freedom. So, for example, I, was it yesterday? Um, we were talking. There's a question-answer period going on, and very easily for many people, the uh, the view can creep in, the way of looking at the whole situation. That's one of comparing. And with that goes the comparing self. I am not as good as. Very occasionally, a person feels I am better, um, but generally, it's un- unfavorably comparing. And so that self comparing is a way of looking that comes at that situation. It, it creeps into the situation. It's like a it's like a lens we're putting on the whole situation. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. It's like I'm seeing it through that filter, of the of the comparing mind and, and the self, usually unfavourably comparing. That clear? Yeah. Um, or the example I gave about, uh, silly example about being the gardening expert, and there I am stomping around the house in the garden, looking at the plants and looking to find fault with the plants, looking to find fault with the way they're uh, take, taken care of. So that's also a way of looking that will... Um, that in the, in that instance is is uh, acting as a filter, or that's not even the right word. As a as it colours my whole perception of the situation, you now either of those ways of lo- neither of those ways of looking will bring freedom or happiness. If I'm if I'm sitting in a and A and I'm looking at the whole situation, I'm, I'm uh, perceiving the whole situation through the lens of the comparing mind. I, I will not feel happy and I will not feel free. Is that obvious? Yeah. That? That's that's obvious, right? <laughs> Good. Um, compare that with um, the practice that we've introduced, staying at contact. In a way, that's also a way of looking. It's a way of seeing. It's a way of perceiving. It's a kind of way of relating to this moment of experience. Um, and it's a way of relating that, relatively speaking, brings or allows a lot more freedom, a lot more spaciousness into. Yeah, Have you even begun to get a taste of that? Yeah, great. Excellent. So they're just ways of looking, some ways of looking um, uh, that we have, some ways of looking that we have. um, In that way of looking, there is the construction of self that very way of looking, the way I'm looking at this situation, the way I'm relating to the situation, the way I'm viewing it, the way I'm feeling it, the way I'm sensing it, the way I'm relating to it, constructs the self and uh, binds us, imprisons us with that whole construction. And unfortunately, as human beings, there are many of those ways of looking and and we often have them as, as habits. You know, we, we are habitually uh, addicted uh, without even realizing it, they they, they become our re- they, we take them as reality. We don't even realize they're going on often, and they're so close to us we can't even uh, sense that they're they're there and they're impacting how we feel, what we see, the possibility in the situation, the sense of freedom, all of that. And some uh, some ways of looking are available to us, and, and there are many ways of looking available to us as practitioners that do the opposite. Ways of looking that that start unbinding, deconstructing the self, or not not allowing it to be constructed so much, uh, and opening up the sense of freedom. Okay, so at this point in the retreat, we're going to introduce what's called the three characteristics. And some of you may have heard of this, and and for some it will be new, but we're going to Introduce it with a particular angle on it, so it's a particular lens. Uh, but, sorry, a particular slant on on this. So the three characteristics are uh, is a particular teaching of the Buddhas. Uh, do you Do you want the Pali? Do you guys care about that? Or? You do. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first one is Anicca. A N I C C A. Anicca. Anicca. And it means uh, change or impermanence, flux. Actually, it also means uncertainty. Interestingly, um, the second, the second one is uh, dukkha, uh, D-U-K-K-H-A, and that means. Um, unsatisfactoriness, something like that. Uh, We'll go into these in in much more detail over the days. And the last one is anatta, A-N-A-T-T-A, anatta. And it means, um, well, atta is self, an is a kind of negation, so either no self or not self. And we, we will explore these. What, for our purposes on this retreat we are using these, we're going to use these as ways of looking. So each one provides a very, very powerful way of looking, of of, um, uh, of bringing freedom, a way, ways of looking that bring freedom, that allow freedom, uh, ways of looking that bring letting go, ways of looking that don't construct the self so much. Uh, And they bring that in the moment, in the moment that we're looking. It's not like I see something and I hope that later on uh, maybe I'll have a little bit of freedom. In the moment of looking this way, there will be freedom, or there is some degree of freedom, Uh, generally generally speaking. What they also do, these three characteristics as ways of looking, is they also begin? It's almost like the consciousness begins to go on a journey of of deeper seeing. They start to unfold uh, deeper and deeper revelations about the nature of reality. It's almost like uh, you, you start doing it, and and that tunnels into a, an insight, which which goes on to the next insight, etc. And particularly uh, what they reveal, the insights they reveal. Uh, they burrow deeply, tunnel deeply into the depths of this dependent arising, this construction business that we've been talking about, into re- really into the subtlety of that. Uh, so much so that it's into how even such subtle, taken-for-granted aspects of our existence like space or time are also constructs. Now on this retreat, we're just beginning that, that tunneling process. So, as I say, we're, we're working mostly on the self and the way the self is constructed. But actually, these three characteristics are like three avenues, three tunnels, and one can keep going and keep going and keep going if one really develops the practices of them. They're immensely powerful, if, if they're used in the right way, if they're used in the right way. We're beginning that. As the Buddha said, you know, after his famous story, after his um, awakening, uh, which supposedly happened, you know, one night, uh, might have been longer, but... Um, um, he, he was really unsure whether to teach or not, and so this is, this is hard to see what I've discovered, this emptiness, this dependent rising, hard to understand, hard to discern, and he wasn't sure whether to teach it or not. So in a way we need uh, something, we need quite powerful uh, digging implements, if you like, to tunnel. Uh, we need ways of looking that really penetrate Sometimes um, we might wish that just being present might reveal all the depths of that dependent arising and the subtlety of emptiness, but it may not. We may need something a bit more more powerful, or a lot more powerful. So we're going to introduce these three characteristic practices over the next days, over the next, I don't know, four, five, six days, whatever it is, Um, gradually, one by one, (coughs) <coughs> I'm not sure what the right way of doing this. We could have given you all, all, you know, all in one go, and then you kind of see where you are, but we're going to do it one by one over the next days. And and we'd like you to try each one and see which is your favourite. It might be you like them all. It might be uh, you like a couple of them or just one of them. Hope, Hopefully at least one. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, by favour, I mean what works best. Like I said, if you if you, if you find the right way of, of working these practices, you actually feel the freedom unfold in the moment. You actually feel it. It's, it's palpable. It might be subtle, but it's actually palpable. There's a sense of letting go. And that's what I mean by it, it works best. So, today I just want to talk about impermanence and kind of g- give it to you as a practice and, and uh, hopefully as clearly as possible. So, that things are impermanent is pretty obvious, right? It, it doesn't take a lot of insight to, to realise that things are impermanent. Could could we agree on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty... You just look around you, it's pretty obvious that things... Are, as soon as someone, you know, about four or five, it's like that begins to get obvious. But what if... What if we practice sustaining that way of looking. So it's not just that things are impermanent, but I'm actually I'm, I'm sustaining a way of looking that's looking at impermanence and, and seeking that out. That's what I want to tune into. So what does that mean? It means to notice change, deliberately to notice change, deliberately to um, tune the attention into the sense, the aspect, the... Um, perception, the experience experiences of change, of flux, of uh, fluidity, uh, to remain focused on, on that, on that sense of things, um, to stay with that fact of change, uh, that sense of change, of anicca, the flux, the birth and death, birth and death of things. It's a different way of looking, it's a different way of relating to the moment. So each word, that's each sound, each word is a sound as I'm speaking and each one is born and is there and then dies. There's change all the time and we can tune into that uh, strata of 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 our experience, That, that, that level of our experience, that's all I'm interested in is change. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about seeing this clearly or defining it clearly. What I I care about is change, 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 change. I don't even care that I exactly know what it is that's changing. (laughs) I just care to see and to be in contact with its change, the birth and the death, the shifting of textures, the fluidity, the change itself. Now, just as fast as it's kind of revealing itself moment to moment so one doesn't need to um, pressure it too much to, to, to kind of see nanoseconds of change if that's not what's revealing itself so mostly we're interested in moment to moment change I'll, I'll give some examples in a second but there's also a, there's many levels many sort of frequencies of change in our life so for example, uh, often, you know, might say to someone, okay, this morning, what mood were you in when you woke up? Maybe happy, maybe grumpy, maybe slightly depressed, maybe elated, maybe curious, whatever. Was that same mood still there at lunchtime? Or had it changed? Maybe it changed somewhere and gone back. Or how is it now compared to when you woke up? And, and checking tonight. So there's a kind of everyday uh, frequency of fluctuation, which is really important to see, because that's where we often get stuck. Wake up in the morning, I feel low, and then there's woven into that this assumption that it's just going to last all day long. And actually just very simple. You just see, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Things have gaps in them, just on that level. So that's that's an important level too, but primarily for this practice where where... More leaning towards the moment-to-moment level of noticing change. So I'm going to do the bell example again. So uh, was it yesterday? Seems like ages ago. Was it yesterday? <laughs> okay. <laughs> going to hit the bell again. We did bare contact with the bell. Now, now, same deal. You you coming bare contact, but listening. Two and four, the fluctuations in the sound of the bell now there's the moment that it starts and the moment that it ends actually kind of goes into imperceptibility at the end, but there's within that you can hear it kind of throbbing, pulsing etc. you understand so let's do that again, and this is what you're tuning into deliberately uh, and just as we did yesterday, you know you'll notice that well, Halfway through, or actually about one second after it was struck, the mind has wandered. No no problem, you just bring it back. It becomes, it's like your object for this amount of time that it's ringing, right? So flux, change, uh, shifting of sound. You hear? There's a there's a kind of there's a little wave to to the yeah. Is that discernible? Mm-hmm. Wobble. Wobble. Yeah. Wobble. Yeah. Okay. um So that's an example of. Do I need to do that again, or was it was it okay? It's again.
1: Really nice when you do it. Should <laughs> <laughs> <Listen context. laughs> so I do it again? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Over, and that overness is is part of the impermanence as well, as the micro-fluctuations. What's nice about it?
2: That's really interesting. It's... Well, it's, it's the sound that I like. Mm-hmm.
1: It's
2: got good associations, I think. Okay. It feels very calming to
1: mm-hmm.
0: listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm partly asking that because I'm wondering if... Um, if that calming is also because of the bare attention as well. Mm. Words, there's, there's not mm. that, you know. Yes. So th- th- there's a real, like we talked about a little bit, so when, when you're paying bare attention, you're really simplifying things. And it's like that tends to calm the being. There's less of a construction around what's going There's less of this m- m- mania of the mind to construct and construct. Do you, do you understand? Mm. When we're doing the impermanence, we're actually taking that a level deeper. Taking it a level deeper. Uh, So that's an example, obviously, where we're directing the attention. As we talked about yesterday, we can have the attention works in an open way or, or a directed way. We can choose. And that's obviously an example where we're directing the attention. Well, what if we were to open out the listening right now? Just the totality of sound, all of it, it's like a sphere. The awareness is open And then that openness of the awareness just receives and was tuning into the change there. Doesn't matter what it is, there's flux. There's change. There's the arising, perhaps the shifting of a sound and and the disappearing. I'm tuning in to that texture of, of change, that, that. do you get the sense? There's uh, the birth of a sound and the dying of it. What about the body? I was just playing with this a little before. There's a spot right at the corner where your jawbone turns up and if you just pressure it <laughs> It's a little bit. Um, what's the word? Tender. Does anyone have that? Somewhere around there. Somewhere around here.
2: On the bone.
0: Well, just oh, yeah. just around. On yeah. The joint. yeah. 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 Just around the around the sort of where, where the corner is. <laughs>
1: the precision in anatomy. <laughs> Everyone got it.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay. Again, we're directing the attention. There's nothing uh, esoterically significant. <laughs> In case you if tantric significance or something, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just press that. Just press it reasonably hard to actually really notice some sensations. And again, it's like, do they stay the same or is there a shifting there? Is there, is there an ebb, a flow, a pulsing, flickering, throbbing? Noticing change, change, Anicca, impermanence. Is it one sensation or is it many? Or can you can you sense the change there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, and of course, uh, w- what about your hands? Hands are often quite sensitive; they have a lot of nerve endings in them. And just however your hands are, just tuning in to the hands. And what's the experience? Again, going to bear contact with the sensations in the hand and then noticing the changing, throbbing, flickering. Appearing, disappearing. It doesn't even matter if we have words for it. It's change. Can you sense that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And of course, again, we could open up the attention. You could be with the whole body in the field of the whole body is what is it to open up the attention right now and actually be in the whole body and open to the field, the the dance, the appearing and the disappearing, uh, the, the movement of sensation in the whole body. So again, the awareness is more open, more receptive. you get little flickers, sometimes you get whole bands of pressure or sensation shifting. Just whatever you notice, the important thing is to notice change. I don't need to make it so microscopic necessarily or so fast even. So whatever reveals itself to me when I'm looking for change, looking at change, at anicca, So this body, what we call the body, experientially, it's a field of change. So It's a sea of 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 changing sensations. Do you get that sense? Yeah, good. Um, what about taste? That's interesting. If we move to that sense door, and you go to <coughs> a meal, and it's interesting. Maybe your favourite meal, or maybe a food that you don't like, and you put. Uh, put a morsel in the mouth and chomp, 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 and w- what is it to really tune in there and uh, really pay attention to, the, the change of the experience of taste. So this is quite an interesting thing to really give full mindfulness to, to the experience of change, of, of of eating, of taste in the mouth. And it's quite interesting, you actually see uh, there's explosions of taste, or perhaps you know, if you're eating like a curry or something, you you can be sometimes aware of different uh, uh, spices within within the mix. You know, it, kind of this little um, cumin seed kind of explodes its taste in the mouth, and then there's there's something else, and then it goes and it disappears, and it's chomp chomp chomp, and not much is happening. <laughs> it's a lot of work for not much uh, <laughs> not much payback, and then something else explodes.
1: I that this morning uh-huh. on uh, breakfast and I found these other sensations this touch there's a yes, texture of the yes, porridge and the crunchiness yes. of the cereals yes. and suddenly you bite a raisin and you get mm-hmm. the taste yes. but the taste is only a fraction of the experience Ex- exactly
0: mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. now I'm going to come back to that in, in a few minutes but that's very interesting <coughs> that's very interesting so we have an idea that when I eat it's going to be this really nice taste and it's going to be one, and we hype up uh, you hype up, you know, this fantastic thing. But if I really am honest, and as you said, look really carefully, what's the actual experience? There's, there's a lot of gaps, a lot of sort of texture, especially porridge. It's all about texture, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> 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 um, uh, a- and then, boom, there's this, there's this explosion. Raisin, very very tasty. You know, there's this explosion, and then it disappears again. What are we making Solid. making into something more than it is. And we do it with something we crave, and we also do it with something we hate. You understand? This thing, I'll come back to this in a second, we build something up and give it more solidity than it actually is. And then we're imprisoned in relationship to that solidity. We're imprisoned in a make-believe world that we've constructed. We've hyped it up. Uh, Smell similar deal, maybe you're passing something and there's a smell, and it's like, what is it to really give that attention to that, and, and notice, notice. Sight's an interesting one, if we move to that sense door. Um, if you, right now, m- just gently wave your hand in front of your in front of your eyes, just do very gently, um, but... It reminds me of tripping that as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Or I may. laughs> um, what is it to see it? And Catherine touched on this when she was speaking. It's like what is it to see it as the it's not the hand moving, but it's the visual field. The patterns of the visual field are shifting. There's there's a kaleidoscope of of uh, form, shifting forms, shifting color. You know, the texture of the visual field is uh, shifting. In other words, rather than relating to it as this object or or whatever, one's actually tuning more into the the change.
1: Are
2: you focusing on the hand, though? Are your eyes looking at that even though they're not constructing, or are you looking at the whole... If you take in
0: the (laughs) whole visual field... Are people too hot? Is that Um, If If you take in the whole visual field then you're more likely to notice the change. If you look at just the hand itself, you're more likely to kind of just uh, have a sense of the object hand, and there's less sense of change.
1: So the hand's kind of out-focused, right? In
0: in a way, yeah, that will help highlight the change more.
1: It's interesting if you focus on the negative space of the
2: hand rather than the positive.
0: Can you explain what you mean by that, Rose?
2: The space between.
0: Between what?
2: Part of the hand. So between the fingers, etc. Mm-hmm.
0: What happens then?
2: Well, everything be sort of very different.
0: Can you say how?
2: Well, the,
0: the hand stops being
2: a
1: hand. Aha.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. You've got space coming in in fingers yeah, yeah. rather than a hand going... Yeah, in very good. Fingers. Um... That's actually really important. I don't know how much we're going to get into that on this retreat, but if it comes up for you more, then it's something we can talk about. Mm. Yeah, Because um, this is getting into more about the emptiness of phenomena, but we we construct phenomena through perception, through attention, the way we pay attention, all of that. Mm. But see, if it, if it feels like really compelling for you, then we can talk about it more. It's an art thing. Yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. It's about ways of looking, again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, what... So does everyone begin to get the sense of the visual pattern is the visual field as a shifting texture of that? I can't get that one at all. Okay. I'm
2: just so seeing what's what it
0: is, but it's like that yeah. can't yeah. okay. really see it. Yeah, okay. Um, it, it takes a little while. Uh, it it takes a little while to to kind of it's, it's a bit like, uh, or it could be a bit like some of those Escher paintings where you sort of click into a different mode of seeing a little bit with the vision. So where so the vision is, in a way, one of the strongest um, sense doors in the way we just concretize everything, you know, very very strongly in that sense door, most people do. And so it's kind of relaxing, relaxing the, the grasping this object or that object, and relaxing to take in the whole visual field sometimes you can just let it be um, really spacious and, and relaxed. Let the vision kind of relax and receive the, uh, the, the, the global impression of the visual field. And then within that, there's, there's shifting textures. Okay. If we get really subtle with this, and, and, you know, this is to explore, so I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out now it's for you to take away and, and play with. <coughs> what if there's no movement in the visual field? Is there change or is there not change? Change. Why, why, what is it? Photons. Photons? Can you <laughs> is that what you said? Can you see well, them? Well,
1: I can't see them, but right. I can... You, that's the change, isn't it? Uh,
0: okay, but we're talking about experience. Can so so experience. Can, is there a sense of... is?
2: Well, the, the experience of change I get is that... I experience this and I also know, know this, that the eyes cannot... If you really look at something and you try not to move your eyes, it starts to dissolve, and you start to notice that your eyes are constantly moving. Very good. And it's like, which means that everything is constantly moving in and out of yeah. kind of focus. Yeah.
0: So if you pay, re- yeah, very good, thank you. If you if you pay really careful attention to something that's not a visual field that's not moving, actually you begin to notice some subtle change, which has to do with what, what Julia just said. Um, but play wi- play with all this stuff. Play with it.
1: That happens in the dark, doesn't it? It it's very dark and you're sitting with your eyes open and mm. you actually see things moving. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, not not ghosts or anything like yeah. that. There some <laughs> 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 there's, there's some sort of light, something yeah. going on yeah. in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yes,
0: absolutely. So there is, um, the, there, there is the constant shifting, actually, of everything, including the visual, uh, you know, the, the visual in the visual sense as well, whether or not we're actually seeing an object there. Yeah, absolutely. And I see
1: that now, not just in the dark.
0: Yeah, 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 very good. Yeah, so that's also, you can tune into that, yeah, exactly. Now yesterday Stuart asked a question about Vedana, and we talked, we're going to go more into this in a few days, this Vedana, this feeling tone, so it's pleasant, unpleasant, or somewhere in between. Is, it, is that the same as a sensation, or is it something different? Well, it's wrapped up with a sensation. So every time there's a sensation in any of the sense doors, there's a Vedana with it. There's a sense uh, of it feeling pleasant or unpleasant or in between. But we can tune more into that if we want to, that sense of it being pleasant or unpleasant or in between. So... Um, uh, what would it be um, let's say i'm sitting and again have this uh, pain in in the hip from from an injury and so i'm just looking at that but interested in in the dance of the appearance and disappearance and morphing transformation of pleasant unpleasant neutral i just look at that that hip uh, and i just i'm i'm feel uh, tuning into the Vedana and then particularly into the impermanence into the changing nature of the Vedana so it's it's unpleasant and then I notice actually the next moment it's not unpleasant then it's unpleasant again and then weirdly it becomes pleasant and then maybe it becomes unpleasant again there like there's like a, a, a cornucopia is that the right word? a, a fountain of a, endless throwing up of moments of pleasant and unpleasant it's like the Vedana does not stay the same moment to moment it just do you understand? Uh, or I could stay with one sense door. So again, we could go back to listening and that kind of openness of listening. And maybe the rooks get really loud. Not so loud now, is it? Yeah.
1: Could you sort of go to the pain? And then sort of stay with it and, and ask, does it have a colour? Does it have a texture? That sort of thing? Would you do
0: that? Um, or not? Not at this point, no. I've done that, and it does
1: help. Okay. What? And, and you s- you actually see the frame move. Sometimes it changes colour, it uh-huh.
0: changes texture. Oh, I see, okay. Yeah. yeah, if that's helping to key you into the, the change aspect of it, yeah, go for it, go for it. Other times, um, you might want to tune more into the sort of bare contact of the the physical sense of pressure that goes with pain and, and that the shifting of that as well. Yeah. But anything that tunes you into a sense of change at this point is great, yeah. Um w- if we're open to the sense door of listening, and it's like just noticing some sounds are a little bit pleasant, some are unpleasant, many are in between, and, and tracking the Vedana, the change in the Vedana <coughs> of sound. Yeah? Uh, thoughts. We touched... I'm not sure I know what is. Okay. Is it tracking
1: the of the yeah. Uh,
0: v- we'll talk more about Vedna in a couple of days, but for now, I th- I th- what, it, what it means is the felt experience of pleasantness or unpleasantness okay. or neither that goes with any experience. Okay. So, I mean, clearly if I stub my toe and I've got no shoes on, it's painful and that's unpleasant. Generally G- generally, yeah, clearly um, and the, so that we say the Veda note of that is unpleasant okay. Yeah? yeah okay um, thoughts we said that they're a little bit more more tricky thoughts um, but when you're feeling a bit more settled in the meditation, um, it might be interesting to open up and look at the impermanence of thoughts coming, going, darting through the mind, appearing, disappearing, you know, imagery, words snippets of songs, uh, opinions, wh- whatever it is. Uh, and like we said yesterday, much easier to look at thought, when, when a few things, when there's a groundedness in the body, when one's wh- staying in contact with the body sensations, and from that opening it up to listening perhaps, and the wideness of listening, and and then naturally it will, um, it w- you'll just notice that you're noticing more thoughts in, in that coming and going, and, and tuning into the impermanence of thoughts. But it usually takes a bit more settledness. Yeah. And they're fleeting, they're darting, quicksilver nature of thoughts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What about, so all this I'm just, you know, a lot to play with here. Mm-hmm. What about something even more subtle? Intentions. Intentions. So, for example, you're at one end of your walking path and you're standing there and there's stillness and there's mindfulness and there's presence and there's awareness pervading the body and waiting for the intention to take the first step. What does that feel like, that movement? We rarely think, (coughs) now I'm going to take the first step. (laughs) That's rarely how an intention arises. It arises as a kind of like a kind of blip like that. What happens if I just pay attention to to the arising of intention? It's quite subtle. It's quite subtle, but you can actually catch it in those quieter moments. You're just standing there, open to the sense of the arising of, of intention. And what what happens? It it ripples through the body. And then the intention is there. Maybe it has the fruition of action. Maybe not. Or you're standing outside your door and uh, you know when when is the arm going to move to turn the uh, turn the handle to go in? So you just see these, these movements of intention, and then they're gone. Movement of intention, it's gone. It's quite quite subtle, but but um, really good to start uh, being able to penetrate the workings of, of of the mind at that level, if if it's possible. Um, okay. And then, of course, we can... uh, So you can direct the mind, you can choose one sense story, you can also open up to the global totality of things, especially if you're feeling quite settled. What is it? I'm just sitting here, I'm walking, or I'm standing, and I'm open to the totality of experience, the totality of phenomena, interested in the change, a sea of change, this this always waving, always uh, dancing, things appearing, born, dying. And just open and tuned into, receptive to, plugged into that anicca, that impermanence of, of that whole uh, whole mass texture, shifting texture of experience, all experience in all the sense doors. Actually, I find
1: that
0: easier. You might um, uh, uh, tr- still try and do both. It's good. It's try. Uh, so. Both that openness and, and the more directed, yeah, would be good. Uh, that's quite important general rule, this, this sense of the mind can work in both these ways, very, very directed, uh, narrow focus, like we said, zoom lens and the wide angle lens. And we learn different things um, from both of them. So to be able to do both in time is a really good thing. They'll, they'll reveal uh, different, uh, they'll unfold freedom in different ways. So why, why would we do this, uh, this whole thing? Um, two main reasons. One is, as I said earlier, it brings it when I see the impermanence of things, I let go. In, in seeing change, I let go. I don't even have to think about it. Oh, goodness, I see that it's changing, then it'd probably be a good idea to let go. It's it's probably not that conceptual. I just start seeing change. Something in the consciousness knows. It's not even, you'd have to figure it out. It makes sense. It just, there's a letting go that happens when we see change. So, in a way, that's what we're looking for here. As I said, these are ways of looking that bring letting go. And that just gets deeper and deeper. We're practicing letting go. So, in a way, what we're practicing, we're practicing letting things come and go we're practicing letting things change letting things get born arise, shift a bit and then die we're practicing allowing birth and death uh, of all things all things Mm -hmm. because when we do that when we let go we feel free and when we let go there's spaciousness that (coughs) comes in spaciousness, the consciousness opens out in spaciousness and a whole bunch of other stuff happens And my question to you for the the days is, what else happens? What else happens? And we'll be unfolding that with these practices. What else happens when I do this? So why? Because it brings letting go. The second reason why is, if we go back to this sense of self that talked about near the beginning of the retreat, The intuitive, felt sense of self that I have is that myself feels fixed. It feels kind of permanent. I mean, I might know that I'm going to die. Maybe I think, well, this self is impermanent. But I feel like there's some uh, kind of fixed entity within me, or that I am that, that goes from, you know, I'm the same self that I was yesterday i am the same self that i was 2 years ago you might have a sense of growth but the, the, the intuitive felt sense when the back is against the wall we might say something different intellectually but the felt i'm not talking about intellectual positions i'm talking about our intuitive felt sense is of something that's fixed and and uh, kind of permanent in there do do you recognize this yeah so it's not not at all talking about philosophies or anything like that we're talking about how you feel when uh, someone's got a gun to your head, (laughs) how you feel when push comes to shove. Mm. I feel there's something fixed in me and solid and somehow independent and permanent. And when I look, impermanence, 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 everything I look at, all I see is change. Where is this thing? I cannot find this self that I feel to be a reality, that intuitively seems so real, that we take it for granted. I look and I cannot find it. I cannot find that thing, um, and that non-finding of it at this level of impermanence. Again, it's not an intellectual. It doesn't because we're not at this point dealing with concepts. It 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 um, cu- begins to undermine and dissolve that intuitive feeling of a fixed permanent self. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I'm com- not coming in with some philosophy of replacing one philosophy with another philosophy
2: it, it, would you say is that akin to I'm just trying to imagine what that might be like but the experience of say when you're looking at something or feeling something in the sense of the separation of you as the looker and it kind of dissolves if you're, you're, you're kind of absorbed in the change of it mm-hmm. then you don't have a, such a solid sense of self is that
1: what you're talking about?
0: Um, well, that w- that no, uh, that's part of what I said what else happens that might be part of that so we can pick that up again that's actually really important that's really really important um, in terms of what I'm talking about now it's more like um, this is something that would shift more the long term view of the self mm-hmm. and the long term feeling of the self as being something somehow fixed and independent mm-hmm. if it's fixed and independent I have to find if all I, uh, I look inside and all I see is things that are shifting, all I see is things that don't last, then where is this fixed self that I that I feel that I have? Yeah, it's slightly different. But but that's actually important to you, so bring, bring it up again, because it's part of what begins to happen as I as I pursue these practices. There's
1: also the sense that uh, sort of that sense of self is doing the looking anywhere, Yeah, so, yeah. Like, Yes. You know, and it's all changing but there's still yeah. still what? that, that sense it's, it's that sense that there's this me doing it yeah. and it's happening for me yeah. Yeah. even though it can it can ok yeah it's changing
0: it's constantly changing but it's changing for me yeah what is that me that it's changing for? where is it? show it well you can't really you can't find it ok it's well, something is something is happening, but is it a me that's happening? I guess sometimes
1: it feels more solid than others.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, which is what we're saying on this retreat. Sometimes it feels more solid than others. When it feels solid, just because it feels solid, does that make it a reality? Or is it feeling solid because I'm constructing it? Or because... Sorry, I was talking the passive. Because it is being constructed. Mm. Do you understand? So... Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah I
1: no, it's, uh, uh, but what is it that's doing
0: the uh, looking? Looking is doing looking. Looking is looking.
1: There's really no one running the show.
0: What, I- what is blowing the wind? What blows the wind when the wind blows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's levels of this, Jane. There's really levels. Yeah. So, I, mean, yes, um, I, I kind of know. I do know that. But. Okay, but but what you're what you're touching on is something very important because we'll, we'll harp on about this and the intuitive <laughs> sense of yeah, but there's someone doing this. Yeah, but it's happening to someone. That's so strong. It's so gut. Uh, we're not talking about an intellectual position. It's so gut. And so that's why I said earlier, it's like I have to find ways of kind of. um uh, dissolving that view, of seeing beyond that view, of seeing beyond that sense of things. That's, that's why that's why the Buddha said, Phew, this is hard to teach. It's hard to overturn that really ingrained sense of, of self and, and kind of begin questioning it as a reality in a way that makes a difference in one's life. We'll get to this later in the retreat. So, one of the last hiding places of the self-sense is with awareness. I'm I'm the one looking, I'm the witness. Now that could be a f- philosophical position, you are the witness, you are consciousness, etc., you are awareness, or it can be just a felt sense. There's a sense that yeah, everything else is changing, but I'm, I'm the one looking at it, it's happening to me. And that's, that's very hard to overturn, but that's possible with these kind of practices. Is there a, a but there? just wondering if it's very clear to you that you're not is it, is it, you've been doing that a long time yeah is it, is it very clear it's clear but but the self-sense comes and goes mm-hmm. self-sense comes and goes and it, it will come and go until one's completely uh, enlightened. what they call an arahant so the self-sense arises and passes but there come <laughs> uh, what can we say stages in practice where one knows something in a way that's kind of irreversible mm-hmm. uh, and that that You know, makes a difference. Makes a big difference. So there's something about knowing um, in one's bones that one is not those things. And then when one knows that, it's like there's limits to what can get constructed. Then, Um, in terms of how much of a a mess of construction can be can be made, Um, (laughs) it doesn't go beyond a certain point. Um, but still self-sense arises, and it will start attaching to things like awareness, etc. <laughs> but some other part knows that it's not that. And then, at times of practice, and we'll get to this, there's ways of kind of moving into spaces where that identification with awareness, etc., uh, le- you can unhook it, dissolve it. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah? Um so like i said this is a journey um this three characteristics business it, it's it's like you start with something and and of course there's going to be all kinds of questions but it's, it's almost like i feel like if one just tries the practice and, and keeps going it begins unfolding itself and then one thing kind of leads to the next if i try and jump to the end at first it's not it's not going to um it will feel like well yeah but what about this or what about that but th- there's a way that that's Naturally, like one platform of insight will lead will lead mm-hmm. to the next effect. Uh, so it's kind of one has to kind of get one's hands dirty a little bit and one's uh, feet wet. Um, Can you sum the whole of the
1: rest of the
2: talk up in the next two minutes? <laughs> yeah. And then we expound it
0: more afterwards. So. Yeah. Um, that's it, actually. That's the main thing. I'm going to uh, say two more things. One is very brief. One is going to throw We've already touched on it in this talk. It's throwing something out about the emptiness of phenomena. So we talked about when Sophie asked about eating and, and tasting, etc. When when I see impairments, I also begin to see that things, phenomena, experiences, are also not as solid and substantial as they seem to be. Like I begin to see the holes in things, the gaps in things. So, like this fantastic meal, or this terrible meal, or this experience, or that experience. What about a feeling of depression, or heaviness? And it seems like, oh, such a block of concrete that the consciousness is kind of under. So solid, so impenetrable, so heavy. And I begin t- turning the, the attention to it and looking for the change you start to see it's got lots of gaps in it. There's a moment of feeling of depression, however I notice that, and then and then there's another one, this heaviness, and then there's a moment of nothing, and then there's a moment of lightness, and then there's a moment of depression, and then there's a moment of depression, and then there's a moment of joy. Where did that come from? And then it's got lots of gaps in it, and this thing that looks so solid is not so solid. Um, when... Uh, same thing with pain. We create a solidity of pain. And when I look closer, it's got lots of gaps in it. To the degree that something seems solid, that's the degree that I feel weighted down by it. I feel imprisoned by it. It, it constricts my s- the sense of space and consciousness. Is this making sense? Yeah. Um, someone on another retreat Uh, quite a while ago it was a day like today or like it was earlier today very windy, very rainy and actually it was an equanimity retreat I was teaching it was interesting and she went out onto the lawn and actually really paying attention and looking out before she went out it was like this is awful this is awful this weather's awful this is terrible and going out and actually like what's so terrible here? so the mind makes terrible Devon weather, <laughs> this block, and one goes out and there's maybe, a, you know, a raindrop drips down the back of one's neck and there's that sensation of that, and then it's over I'm just going to throw this out for Hannah, 50-50 now practice, 50-meta 50 50-impermanence 50 Impermanence rather okay. yeah. than the contact yeah. so how much is the contact um well, that could be part of your 50 if you want to shift back to that gear, okay? Um, and you start scrutinising this this thing that we've just labelled so terrible, and actually see that it's it's got lots of holes in it. There's the breeze on the cheek, and maybe it's cold, and then it disappears, and actually you feel the warmth of your belly. It's actually you're bundled up in lots of clothing. It's it's got it's not what it seems to be. So we do this. This is the last thing we we do this. Um, Someone's used use this analogy. Did you, did you, do you remember those drawing books you got when when you were young? You had numbers on them, and you join the dots. That's what we do. That's how consciousness works. Actually, we we do the dot to dot, and and suddenly it's awful weather, and suddenly it's this depression, and we've joined the dots without realising it. The same with pain, the same with an emotion, the same with a meal, the same with this. We're joining the dots. Un- unawares and I start to see that and and I start to uh, allow more space into my into my experience that the the, 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 um, the experience phenomena have much more space in them they're much less substantial than, than they seem to be and uh, in that less solidity less substantiality is less burden less oppression more space, more freedom. That's a little bit beginning to go into the emptiness of phenomena. We're not really getting into that on this retreat. Um, and like we just said with Hannah, I just wanted So 50 50. 50 is still really, really important to, to play with that. And 50% of the time, uh, primarily the impermanence, but you may want to shift gear and, and exp- re explore the content. You know, that's fine. I think that's kind of- between
1: you know like
0: doing 50% alternate sits than oh yeah 50%. thank you no you, uh, you can be flexible in any way you want so you might do like that alternate sits you might do a <coughs> morning of meta and the afternoon impermanence, or the other way around you might start um a sitting with meta and end it with the impermanence you know other way around you know very interestingly, you know, so, this is where we get. You know, sometimes you've said the matter's really not happening, and the body feels all eh, contracted and, and not in harmony, etc. And then, what would it be to actually bring the impermanence lens to the feeling of discomfort or contractedness or stuckness? Because why? Because of what we said. It's like impermanence starts letting go. I start letting go in relationship to that. I start opening that thing up, and then. Lo and behold, after a little time, maybe it starts to feel a bit better, and maybe the metta is more accessible then. So they they will feed each other, these two practices.
1: So I've just been wondering,
2: and um, with the practice of metta, and also the practices we've been doing as well, how, I'm trying to understand how they work so well together,
0: and why. Why they work so well together? Um, can you say a bit more? Or? Well,
2: no. I mean, obviously, they're both very powerful practices, but if I'd looked at them prior to the retreat, I would never have yeah thought they would have gone
1: together. Yeah. <coughs>
0: um, good. So I was hoping that people would start to notice this. Um, and and a couple of people even mentioned it today in the interview um, interviews. Um, let's... If we go back to this concept of constructing the self when I'm staying at contact it's clear as we said that I'm not I'm not indulging in this construction of self so much I'm stopping that process short right mm-hmm. um, when I'm doing the meta as well, I'm also doing something similar. look the mind is occupied with "May I be well, may you be well?" It can't get into too much trouble mm. <laughs> it's, it's limited <laughs> it's limited how much construction it can do in that okay, sense. That's kind of so that's one piece they' both um, they're both a kind of uh, non a relative, relative, less construction of, of the self mm. yeah? um, when there's less construction of the self. Um, what happens? What else happens in the experience? You start, well, there's more sense of well-being, mm-hmm. right? Um, more sense of spaciousness, more sense of freedom. How does the body feel? You know, when the is going well, um, when it feels softer, right? <coughs> right? <coughs> Light, good, softer, lighter, less solid, yeah. Less. Less, defi- less rigidly defined, <coughs> yeah? space okay so all these qualities it's like when the meta goes well or when i'm not building the self so much all of that happens to the perception of both the self and the body starts getting it's, we're not cuz we're not we're not building the self we're also not building the perception of the body you understand we're not building separation, we're not um, building sense of constriction all, all of this, so it's it's like it gets built together now I can not build through, as I said, through the staying at contact, I could not build through the metapractice both, do mm-hmm. you understand? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean there's lots to say about this um, a lot really, there there's something very profound going on of why they're, why they're similar and why they meet Um Sorry, my brain just stopped. Um, I'm not um,
2: giving very much
1: discrimination between
0: the two. Yeah, several people have said that. So, experientially, they may feel like they're pretty similar. Thank you, that reminds me of what I was uh, Experientially, they may be pretty similar in the sense of it starts to feel, everything starts to feel relatively softer, relatively more spacious, relatively more well-being, relatively all that, etc., Um, in both practices because that's what happens when we don't construct so much self and we don't construct so much of this or that what does and it's still important to discriminate between them so whereas experientially they might not feel that different what makes them different is the intentionality do you understand so when I'm in a meta practice I'm clear that I'm in a meta practice and the intention is is towards uh, cultivating um, uh, the intention of kindness. So once one's feeding that stream of intentionality mm-hmm. of kindness. Um, when one's in the either the bare contact or the impermanence, the intention is a difference. It's either to be at bare contact and not to build or to be at impermanence. And, yeah, like
2: that. But, but it's
1: okay to... <clears throat> I mean, it's just naturally happened that but, but that's happening
0: it's okay that the experience is that, um, that they're the same. That's actually, I would expect that. What's, um, what's I th- still feel quite important, there's a way of, of marrying them, of mixing them, but I, w- I want to avoid that on this retreat, because um, although it's extremely powerful when they mix, um, it will be too much info for you guys, and I don't want to overload you. Um, so So what separates them is the discrimination of what your intention is at any moment. But like we said, I think Julia and others were asking this question, it can get quite subtle, because say, say it becomes more of a meta feeling like it's not me beaming you with meta, it's more of a sense of like the space opens up and there's meta in the space. But it's a subtle intentionality of either myself receiving and dwelling in the kindness as, as what I'm tuning into, or a- acknowledging and seeing someone else dwelling in that, in that soaking that up there's another piece here um is this okay or is it is it yeah yeah. um there's another piece which is like most people almost everyone when you start meta practice you 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 know you have a feeling like well and and often people say I don't want to do meta practice it's artificial it's it's uh you know you're just pretending it's nicey-nicey you're just constructing something false and it can feel like it's really hard work. You know, may I be, may you be, may you be. And you say, huff and puff and...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, you really do that. And uh, what someone was saying didn't want to do meta because it was like going to the gym or something. So, um, and there's a way it really feels like that. But if we, if we follow Nina's question, it's like, ah, very interesting. When I don't construct... i keep playing. When there is not the construction of self so much, what gets revealed? All this stuff that we've been talking about, more space, less separation, more lightness, more well-being, less construction of self, less self-view, mm-hmm. and meta. It might be more subtle, it comes, it, I don't know if anyone has people... It's a lot
2: easier to do meta practice if one is more... Well, I found if one is, if I'm spacious and mm-hmm. I'm in that receptive mood, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's already there. Exactly. I so don't have to make beautiful, it
0: beautiful. Beautiful. It's already there. Yeah. So in a way, we it's like we're revealing meta. You mm. could say th- this is actually really profound. So we'll go into this maybe more even. It's like you could say Metta is is there. I'm getting out the way. Yeah. Meta mm-hmm. is maybe you could say more real you could say. It's, when I construct less, meta gets, I, I begin to see meta. I'm not, through my constructions, layering it over. Mm-hmm. So it's quite the opposite view of what most people would have, have thought originally. So you begin to get a taste of that. And there's something, <laughs> uh, there's something very profound about this. In practice,
1: what is difficult is that with the, uh, the other one, what is it called impermanence, or the other one, the staying, contact, staying at contact, yeah, is that it's like meditation on breathing. I keep getting. Out of it, so I have to bring myself back, bring yeah. myself back. Mm-hmm. And there is a difficulty in there, which in the meta doesn't exist. The meta, I just do it, do it naturally. I don't have to come back. huh. So I get, I get quite a different experience. Okay. I much for the meta for that. Even I find myself having to do the meta first before I can do the cool.
0: Okay. And someone else might have the opposite experience. In other words, with the meta, they keep having to bring themselves back, and they wish they could just be with, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's fine. That's totally fine. It's just kind of where your balance is at, Sophie. So I would still say do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, it's hard way. It gets easier, like everything else. It's a practice. That's partly what the word practice means. It's like we get, it gets easier. We find a way to do it. Um, is there a way of doing it without it feeling too, too tight and too constricted? So it's just easy. And, and eventually it becomes, yeah, the mind just settles into a groove with it. And it will. But take advantage of the fact that the metta, um gets you going. So that's your, mm-hmm. you know, use that. Use it well. And then when you feel like yeah, you're in a quieter place, it's steady, etc., there's a bit of samadhi, then you might change like that. Yeah. So that's
2: why you not, 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 I mean, we talking about meta before. When it's, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's directionless,
0: isn't it? Uh, s- say what you mean by directionless.
1: Well, I mean, with sending matter, meta but when it's
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. So that's you know, rem- rem- with meta, it's like I really want to get um, this very. That's a really important experience, and um, can we can we have this sense of a view like all experiences of meta are equally uh, cool? <laughs> you know, so it's like careful of prioritizing. Like I said, the impersonal meta versus the personal, the universal, or the um, or the mystical versus the sort of human, mm-hmm. etc. There's a r- real sense of like, wow, mm-hmm. meta comes in so many shades and and flavors and and uh, expressions and manifestations, and they're all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than, well, oh, I've heard about that, and I'm going for that. Uh, you know, it's all good. Can I just
2: clarify? Yeah. change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying sometimes just specifically look at the pain or the feeling yeah. do you have a body sense as well or are you just bothered with the change, change, change aspects
0: uh, the body sense of
2: because when we are doing the raw contact you have a sense of your body and then you do the raw contact uh,
1: direct contact sorry. with the
0: uh, you mean s- um, do you mean staying anchored in the body sense is that what you mean or, or yeah, yeah okay. um, You don't have to, you know, if you're being more directed, let's say this funny point here, or, or you know, this hip thing that I have, it's like, um, y- you can go there very specific and not worry so much about the rest of the body, yeah, that's fine, that's good, Then you're being more kind of directed with the, with the attention. So play with it. Like everything else, it's, it's play, play, play. H- have fun with it. You know, it's like there's so many modes that the, the consciousness can go into and we discover. So m- make it your own. That's the thing about practice. It's like it's like the meta-practice starting to become your own. At first it sounds like, well, it's this foreign word and this foreign practice, and I'm trying to sort of do it right. And after a while you, get, you, get, you, you feel your way into making it your own, making practice your own. And it's alive and personal. Same thing with the impermanence thing. You may play with it and make it your own. Yeah, and 50-50. And, and very flexible with how that works. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Um, so let's just have one moment or two quiet together.